This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec, the place to stay updated and educated. Hello and welcome to Tech Guide episode 419. This is the podcast that keeps you updated and educated about the latest consumer tech news and reviews. And a big welcome to any first-time listeners. We hope you become regular listeners. My name is Stephen Fennec and I'm the editor of techguide.com.au. On this week's show, Tesla has unveiled new battery technology and plans to make a more affordable electric car. Kmart has unveiled some new augmented reality technology to help you shop even easier. And we chat with Seagate's Jeff Park about our increasing demand for data and the company's new 18 terabyte Iron Wolf drives. In the Tech Guide reviews, we're going to take a look at the Hisense Dual Cell TV. We'll go through the new range of Amazon smart speakers. And Huawei has unveiled a new smartwatch that's like a personal trainer on your wrist. And we'll answer your tech questions in the Tech Guide help desk. And it's all brought to you by Netgear, the company that keeps you connected, and Norton, the company that keeps you protected. Last week, Tesla held its annual battery day, and that's exactly what that was discussed. Batteries, uh, in particular, the new battery technology, this was also part of their shareholder day as well. It was held at the Fremont factory, uh, which I've actually visited, by the way. I did a factory tour back there a couple of years ago. It's one, I think it's in the, I think it's the second largest building in the world, that, uh, that factory facility there in in uh, Fremont, which is out just not not far from San Jose and San Francisco, and uh, the shareholder day was actually attended by shareholders who sat in their Teslas in the facility car park because of the COVID restrictions, of course. So uh, there was a lot of there was a lot of horn tooting whenever Elon Musk said something that they agreed with. Uh, so it was quite an entertaining. I've embedded the actually the whole shareholder meeting and the battery day on a Tech Guide. They, they did a live stream of the event, so uh, you are free to watch that. But the most important part, I feel, was the battery day, and that's uh, what, what Tesla CEO Elon Musk was talking about. He took the stage after the formal stockholder meeting, and he basically gave us a rundown on latest developments for the battery technology and the roadmap, where it's going, what can be improved. And the whole idea here is to improve battery technology to a point, to give their power, their more power but also increasing the range, but also all increasing efficiency. So it's the it's the the triple threat there. They they need more power, more range, more efficiency. And by achieving that, a Tesla could then compete for growth against fuel powered cars. Now I drive a Tesla and it's not a cheap car. Not everyone can afford an electric car. And that's the challenge here with Tesla now wanting to compete more against gasoline-powered vehicles, they need to do something. They need to make their cars cheaper. Yes, there, there's a segment where people want to drive a, a more expensive electric car. That's great. But what about in the future when someone can't afford $150,000, they've got a $50,000 budget, and they want to embrace this new way of driving, this an electric vehicle. So Tesla has have, have this, this thought 
on the roadmap. They, they want to be able to provide that. In fact, they're saying that with this battery improvement, they can probably make a car for around 25000 US dollars, which would work out to be between forty and fifty thousand dollars depending on the tariffs and all the all the different taxes that are paid on the car but that would put it in within reach of more customers now part of the announcement was this this discussion of new battery technology and the whole plan was around manufacturing tabless batteries so a battery tab is what connects the battery cell to the device it is powering so having a tabless battery has the potential to make the battery up to six times more powerful and with a range improvement of up to 16%. So that, that, that's, that range improvement is very important. But the whole idea here, so it's rather than you, you think about how you put a battery in, into a device. So say you've got a remote control car and you put the battery inside it. It's a double A battery. There's a positive and there's a negative, and that's how you place it in there. So the tabs in a, in the on a battery in a Tesla vehicle, that's that works in the same way: positive, negative. So building a tabless battery would is basically Tesla's way of saying that the whole car is going to become the battery, rather than them building the car and popping in a battery. They want to build the car that incorporates the battery. That's this whole tabless approach. So removing that tab. Uh, that connects a cell to the device, it ha- has a few a few effects. It is reduces the amount of heat it produces, but also increases its capacity at the same time. So that that's a, a magic benefit for an electric car because you've got to remember your battery is your fuel. So the other benefit here, as I said, is a reduction in production costs, and that would make Tesla cars even cheaper and more market competitive with the normal gasoline vehicle. Now, the other change that was announced here was a difference in the way that the batteries are manufactured. Now, a battery is made of three different components. It's the anode, cathode, and the separator. And what Musk announced last week was that Tesla was building a new cathode plant in the US to reduce the supply chain costs. Again, another attempt at reducing those costs. So the factory would in the US would also employ a new cathode marketing manufacturing process, I should say, and that would make the cathodes 76% cheaper to produce and on the environmental side, zero wastewater. And the way they can achieve this cost saving would be from eliminating cobalt from its cathodes. Cobalt is a really hard-to-find mineral often sourced in various parts of the world. But these cost reductions and and changing the materials inside the cells will then allow Tesla to reduce that cost per kilowatt hour and offer that cost-saving measure. So to that end, Musk has said that the goal is to produce a $25,000 electric vehicle that is fully autonomous within the next three years. We don't know what the car's going to look like or what it's going to be called or how much it's exactly going to cost in Australian dollars. Uh, that That's a, a little way away. But exciting news for Tesla. Tesla's, I think, at the moment, the most valuable car company. They're, they're, their share price is through the roof. They're doing very well. And as I said, I'm a Tesla driver. So uh, I've, I've had my car for a couple of years now. I really enjoy driving it. Uh, it is... It is uh, 
it'll be I will never ever go back to driving a fuel a gasoline powered car ever again and I think a lot of people are willing to to try this to embrace this and and once those costs come down once a Tesla could cost the same as say a new a new Toyota or a new uh, Mitsubishi or, or those other big brands here in Australia, then I think that we're going to see some changes. People are going to give it a go. I think uh, the the future is 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 rushing up at us now, and a lot of people who want to make the move, like I did, I, I was I was not hesitant. I, I was looking forward to the move, knowing that it's going to be a big cost saving and a total change of how I drive my car. So there's a few things you need to learn, a few things you need to appreciate. And I think as, as time goes on, as fuel costs rise and, and other people who are more even on the environmental side, they want to reduce emissions, this is something they're looking at. And if, if Tesla is uh, able to uh, offer a more affordable vehicle, and, and don't forget, they're in competition with other car manufacturers that are also pushing their own versions of electric cars too, other brands. Tesla has really put the blowtorch to these other car companies to, to speed up their electric car development. Uh, so in the end is going to be the customer is going to be the winner with all these choices, Tesla being one of them among all the other car brands. If you want to read more about the new battery technology and those plans to make a more affordable electric car, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. Kmart is a very popular retailer and they're offering a brand new way for you to shop from home using augmented reality technology. So what what Kmart is doing now, they're making it easier, easier for customers to see how their home furnishings will look at your place. So rather than you going into a store and seeing a chair or a set of drawers or something that you would like in your home, and trying to imagine imagine it, get the tape measure out to see how it would look. Now, Kmart has a method for you to do this all virtually. So it uses this new technology called KBot, and that combines augmented reality and artificial intelligence to give you a, a, gr- a really good idea on not only the size of the, of the item and how it would look in your home, but also the, the look and feel of it as well. So this new AR technology was developed by Valus to allow Kmart customers to see how the products from their their living range, the August living range, will look in their own environment. And then bring into that AI powered by Oracle's digital assistant, and that also then provides the dimensions and features, as well as even recommending other items that would go with that product. Now, how it works, KBot is actually not an app. It's a website. So if you go to klabs.com.au, and I've linked it on Tech Guide, you can use, if you've got an AR-supported iPhone and Android device, so anything from within the last two to three years will work, and you can then look through the catalogue and be able to place a chair, a chest of drawers, so view the product in your own environment. And you can place it in the room that you that you want it to be in, and you can then walk around it, take a photo of it, uh, and it also too. It not only does it give you the, sort of the rough, obviously the rough dimensions on on and the sizing, so it's going to place it in your room th- to the right dimension. So that, that's where the AI kicks in. It'll it'll not only do that, 
but it will also take into account the ambient lighting in the room and give you that that look and feel, but also give you smooth and accurate tracking as you walk around it. Because you can actually take a walk or do a 360 walk around it uh, and in an, you, in an interface that is easy for a customer to navigate. So it's a, it's a really uh, refreshing way of being able to do your home furnishing shopping without going without taking a chance and buying this item and thinking, oh, it's not going to fit. So it takes all that into account. You can see the measurements. You can see all the different color options and place it where you think you would want it and be able to appreciate whether it's the right choice or not. Uh, IKEA introduced this a little while ago. This is a first for Kmart. So Kmart's sort of more a big box retailer who has a lot more affordable items. So even though you're not spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars, you still have the option here of placing these items virtually in your home and giving them a bit of a road test before you've even bought it. You can see what it looks like and then go ahead and purchase it online and have it delivered to your home and all without you even having to leave your house or risk buying the wrong item, something that's too big, something that, that when you get it at home, to get it home, you think, oh, it just doesn't go with what I've got. So it helps you avoid making all of those mistakes. If you want to read more about that Kmart augmented reality technology, and also there's the link there to the klabs.com.au site that, allow, that offers a QR code for you to then use to access the catalogue. You can get started if you want to go take a look at it. You can check that out at techguide.com.au. I'm joined by Jeff Park from Seagate. Welcome, Jeff. Thank you, Steve. So tell us, uh, what's your role here at Seagate? And also give us a bit of background about Seagate. I know Seagate's one of the leading memory companies. So take us through, firstly, your role and the Seagate, how they they stand in the marketplace. Okay. So uh, I've been with the company coming to about 17 years now. So I currently uh, look after the Australia and New Zealand market. Uh, Seagate role in Australia and New Zealand market um, starts from the retail, so uh, brick and mortars, as well as uh, system integrators. We also work with a lot of uh, vertical markets, including surveillance, medical, governments, in terms of providing the robust storage requirements, um, as well as working to find the new opportunities where there's a future growth in data centers or AIs or machine learning. And we, with this current situation, we, we're going through this whole COVID pandemic sure. and we've really had to reevaluate how we Absolutely. work and how we work from home and how businesses operate. And there was some interesting data revealed that showed that nearly two-thirds of, of small businesses, decision makers, are saying that their post-COVID recovery strategy is being informed by the data they've stored. Yes. So they've, they're taking advantage of the data that they've stored to come out of this in, in, to be in a better position. Yeah, yeah. So I think, uh, you know, during the last six or nine months, uh, a lot of the people, whether it's for business or for the personal, we had to endure a lot of changes with the pandemic. So it includes uh, enterprises, SMBs, or even small retailers um, having to work from home and study from home. And you know, a lot of businesses realize the data they have captured and are storing uh, weren't that accessible um, to their people who would need to access, whether it's the students or teachers or even the people who work for you know, SMB companies. So there's been a lot of emphasis on how to really store this data, but also make it accessible, 
but also having the security around these uh, critical information they generate. So what? Are, so this this survey is actually opening our eyes to a lot of facts. So what can Australian small to medium businesses learn now? So what what's what's the takeout? What can we learn moving forward here? Well, I think uh, you know the last six nine months, uh, businesses has really had to adopt a lot of changes. And they're really thinking ahead, right? So I think then short term, it was about making these data available to the employees and decision makers so that the business doesn't stop. But then they realize um, they need to be planned ahead, whether it's a 12 months or 24 months, so that we are all ready for the new norms, as we call it. Whether it's a schools, now school having to teach online, uh, they need to have a lot of materials available accessible for the students. At the same time, the teachers has to learn new way of teaching as well. So it's a whole new um, changes around uh, how the businesses have to manage their, their own data. COVID-19, as, a, as small businesses, let's focus on that for the moment. They've been greatly impacted. Sure. So what, what are some of the strategies that they can adopt now to help minimize the risk to their businesses in terms of data management moving forward? Yeah, I think uh, a lot of small, medium businesses, not necessarily the IT, but they really rely on IT to make their business more efficient and ready for the future. So there are, we can talk about the businesses, but also other, you know, areas that we all involved in. Uh, I think you talked to um, Adam a couple of months ago about uh, sports club, uh, incorporating this IT into their trainings and reviewing. Um, But even the amateur leagues, are using a lot of these IT um, infrastructures to record their footages and to review and make the training available for not just the players or coaches on site, but also who are not able to travel due to the travel restrictions. So these kind of IT um, changes around will greatly benefit when we really look into the futures, not just now, but plan it out for 12 months and 24 months. Mm-hmm. And what about now? Were we... The working from home situation, that, that's, uh, I've been working from home for many years, yeah. so it's no difference to me, but a lot of other people, this is a totally new thing. Sure. So this is, and, I, and I, it's been said so often, the new normal, mm. we'll, we'll say that, we, now in Australia. So what, what do small businesses need to be aware of now okay. moving forward in terms of managing their data and using Seagate products, hopefully? So I think uh, there's been a lot of discussions around the NBN uh, prior to the COVID-19 and 5G as we all do, um, and you think about our daily lives. All of us has got smartphones and devices, whether it's a iPad or um, 4K TV at home, and now people use you know, laptops or workstations to work from home. That's all connected. And quite often what you hear is, I'm having 20 gig of data usage with my phone, or I have a collection of this much of videos of family photos that are valuable. That's all good, but not really people. Not many people are thinking about how to consolidate those or that datas mm. and really manage those datas. People are okay to pay for the data services with the telcos, but that is become new asset. But not many people really think about what that means to them because if you need to back up five phones, if you need to back up three computers, it accumulates over the time. And I don't know that many people who wants to delete their own histories, right? Mm-hmm. They want to archive it. They want to have a look at it back, uh, look at back from the 4K TVs, play from the game consoles. If these NBNs and 5Gs, for whatever reason, have a shortage or outage, you're not. If you have your own NAS, 
you can still access the all those and have a safeguard around it, mm-hmm. right? Without depending on a cloud or a third uh, service providers. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a very important aspect that a lot of people forget. Data plays a big role though in the small businesses. Do you think that small businesses understand that value? Like, what, are they missing anything? What, what 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 do you think about that? I I think the businesses around Australia, uh, whether it was a due to the COVID or not, it's changing very rapidly. There's, um, you know, online uh, retail uh, presence as well as people's uh, consumer uh, buying behaviors change. So I think SMBs need to be really aware. The data they generate and they create, whether by themselves or for the consumers, will give them a lot of uh, understanding about where the future trend is, give them that uh, understanding, the edge they need to stand ahead of the competitions. So have you got any tips you can share, mate, for small to medium businesses or, or anyone actually to sure. ensure data is safe and secure? That's another big issue is security of data. A couple of things that we can look at. I think um, a lot of small retail businesses, I'm talking about SMBs or retail businesses, when a new business owner takes over a new premises, one of the first thing they do is call a locksmith, right? They want to change the lock, make sure their premise is safe. Quite often, they will also look into putting a surveillance system around it, put a POS system to capture all the transactions. Mm-hmm. In the past, it had to be all in a different platform. Now, with the NAS, with so many apps available, you can have it consolidated, you can have the surveillance, you can monitor the traffic, you can have all the transactions safely stored in a NAS device. Now, this NAS device can also be connected over the network to you can have a replicate data somewhere remote, or you can just simply unplug it to make sure you're not getting um, hacked by someone from the uh, for the internet. Mm-hmm. So there are areas that people can really look into to make that small changes uh, can really have an impact to overall cost as well as being ready for the future. Just the amount of data we're using. Like, have you got any? Uh, can you give us an idea of like how much more storage we need now? Yeah. Like, I, I can remember years ago, my phone had like four gigabytes of data. I'm thinking, wow, how, how, how what more could I possibly need? Now, exactly. Now it's a totally different story. Not only on phone, but I mean, uh, our 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 NAS drives, our, our external hard drives. The explosion of data we're creating obviously results in we need more place to store it. Yeah, you you said the right words, Steve. I think the data explosion is what we see. In many different verticals, whether it's a medical, whether it's educational, even mining Australia, a mining business in Australia, see an explosion of the data. And it's a really struggle, right? Because they know there's a really tangible value in the data. No one's going to put their hands up and let's erase all this data to make a space for the next data that we're going to capture. Um, we often see a lot of uh, our customers come back within six months saying, Jeff, what we sort of plan for and got ready for three months ahead, we're running out of space. So we need to expand the fast. Yeah, that's a call you're happy to get. You, you need more, we need more, yeah. we need more storage. But I think if you're a general, you know, uh, a family, um, you got to think about how many phones you have in your phone. Yeah. Uh, kids, teenagers, parents. And then you got to look at how many contents you have accumulated in the last three years, whether it's a family photos or mm-hmm. events or videos. Music. Exactly. The whole thing. All the things that you love and cherish you don't want to delete that. You want yeah. to keep that and share it and enjoy it for the long period of time. 
So let the, well, that, that sort of brings us more to the, the NAS uh, network attached storage, for those who don't know what NAS stands for. And how the, you mentioned all the things that can be stored on a potential NAS. Let, let's talk at it, first of all, from a business perspective, how a NAS can be used. And then we'll also talk about how like a, a customer, a consumer can use that as well. So take us through what, what's the, the purpose of a NAS for a small sure. business. I think, uh, Steve, you shared um, some of the product reviews in your podcast previously. NAS was firstly introduced for the small, medium businesses to make sure they sort of have a, a place to back up all their computers and all the contents. Yep. And that was really great. But then again, people realize instead of just having a, a depository, why can't we use this as a other platform? So. Nowadays, uh, NAS is really deployed in across many businesses around Australia to have a, a full sort of a central IT hub where you can access from remotely, access from uh, within the network, or use a lot of IT devices um, to get all the data that you capture. In a home, uh, you know, you often have multiple 4K TVs or in the lounge area, you know, you know, outside patio, and you want to have the flexibility of streaming content. Again, I, we talked about potentially having a downage with the NBNs or 5G. Once you got that set up at the NAS, it's like your own sanctuary. You got yeah. everything. Streaming is good, but you have the control within you, and you're not relying on third-party providers to uh, provide the contents, your own contents, yes. to you, and also backup is a very important part Absolutely. of it for small businesses and for and for customers. Like you need to back up your computers and your photos and all of that as well. So that plays a part in that as well, doesn't it? You can create redundancies. Is that yes. right? Yes. So uh, a lot of NAS vendors make it very very easy, um, at a, almost click at a button to back up multiple devices into one uh, depository as well as uh, retrieving from it. So they've really gone uh, ahead to make this uh, experience seamless for the users. Uh, it, it's all about having a peace of mind, right? So, you know, you carry your laptops uh, with your work all the time, whether it gets stolen or damaged, you know that your content can be retrieved very safely and very quickly, so you're not going to be uh, downed. So I think that's very important. And especially with kids carrying their laptops all the time to school and to libraries, they get damaged very easily, yes. right? I mean, laptops can be replaced, but the contents they or create... Or, God forbid, and stolen or lost. Or Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, so what about um, some of the new NAS products? And I understand one of them is a new 18-terabyte NAS drive. Yep. Tell us about that. So uh, we talked about, you know, uh, a few years ago when we launched new capacity, people think, wow, I'm not going to use that older 12-terabyte. <laughs> but then... We hear constantly from the business users coming back to us, and including SMBs, I'm running out of space, right? Uh, we talk about uh, capacity. They need more storage to run it more efficiently. The great thing about the new IMO Pro 18TB is it offers 18TB, but it doesn't use any more powers. Ah. So power consumption is also very critical that not many people realize. Uh, the other benefit is it has the highest throughput in all the NAS drives that are out there in the market. So, you know, your whole family can access it or whole business can access it without any difficulty. Yeah. It's not so going to be like... fast. Yeah. Fast and efficient. Yeah. Right. So, and, and 18 terabytes, that's that's a lot of storage. So, and depending on the NAS drive you buy, there could be like how many different bays in a NAS yes. drive up to how many? Like you could have multiple. Sure. So, and if you have an 18 terabyte in, let's say you've got five mm. bays, 
So that's a lot of storage. It is a lot of storage, but the storage is there for to make a redundancy and a safeguard around all your cherishable content, right? Yes. Whether it's a video or it's a photo. Now, the Ironwall Pro um, does offer some other values around this. So I like to really compare in a layman's term. So think about when you're driving a car. you got yeah. the latest car. Last thing you want to worry about is uh, having a puncture in your tire or having a low pressure. Yeah. But imagine you can do that by not getting out of the car, but sitting in your driver's seat with a simple press of the button. You can check the uh, pressure. You can check out the tire wear. You can check out if it has a puncture or not. The Ironwall Pro incorporates working collaboration with us, leading NAS vendors that provide that holistic view of the drive conditions. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So that, that allows then, so the technology built into the drive allows yes. that for that convenience. Yes. So your NAS drive will allow you to check those things on the fly Absolutely. and give you notifications if something's up. Or, exactly. So because, because you, I suppose when you're talking about data, you don't want to take a chance with that. No. So it's important to have an efficient drive like the Ironwolf. Yes. So, and that's been around for a while, isn't it? That's been the brand for your, your NAS drives for many years now. Yeah, we launched the, this Ironwolf brand in the Australian market uh, four and a half years ago. Uh, we've been working with a lot of SIs and vendors to really uh, bring the awareness of the, the, what we can offer, not just the capacity, not just the transfer rate, but also this health management, the rescue services, yeah. that people really see a value around it because it is a you know, peace of mind that you want to have. When something goes wrong, uh, you can just contact Seagate to rescue the data. Right. Right. Uh, not many other vendors can say they can rescue the data. Uh, okay. Seagate Rescue Services has been around for a decade. We got a um, number of labs around the world. The, the best part about the rescue services is customer feedback. We get so much customer good feedbacks about how quickly we'll be able to retrieve the data, um, whether it's a business or personal, and make it very seamless um, experience for a lot of our customers. And, and the, the amount of data storage, like people, 18 terabytes. And when you, when you think about that, what you're storing, like a lot, a lot of people and businesses and, and home, home users, they're storing video footage from their security cameras, their movie libraries, music libraries, it adds up. Absolutely. So having that sort of space is a is a is a nice a, a nice luxury now. Yes. So we talked about you know families having multiple devices. They probably already have five terabytes worth of data, and soon they realize they will that five tar- terabyte data will grow to ten terabyte and twelve terabyte in a couple of years. So you want to sort of invest. If with the eighteen TB, it gives you flexibility to. Um, not fully maximize your storage right now, but give you the room so that you don't have to worry about for the next 12 months. Right. With, with so many storage solutions available, how do we select the right drive then for, for our, our uses? Hard drives? Do we, talk, do we get a NAS, SSD? Mm. How, give, us a, give us an explanation on how to choose the right storage solution for you. We, we launched a lot of products over the years, um, but this is by no means just to add for sake of adding, uh, we really closely looked at the individual verticals, whether it's a surveillance, whether it's a NAS, and we found out each market has a different uh, requirements. Hence, why we came up with the products like Ironwolf that work really well with uh, leading NAS vendors. So we've done a lot of collaboration with them. We've done a lot of testing with them to make sure when the customers install this NAS unit, the last thing they want to see is the red line blinking. So we've done. A lot of testing with these vendors to make sure the user experience is seamless. Um, we can also relate sort of these uh, requirements to, say, a car. 
right? If you if you buy a new caravan for family camping, you don't want to be camping that car. Uh, you don't want to be towing the caravan with a small compact car. You want to yeah. have a you know a rugged bit of power. Exactly. Yeah, yes. And that you're not gonna put um, a normal tie in there. Right, you want to have the tire to have the grip, yes, that ruggedness, right? So built for purpose, for exactly the, for the right purpose. Yes, yes, okay. So the same applies for storage. Yeah. So if you're, so say you want to set up a NAS for your small business, it'd be a different way to set it up for just a for a home. Absolutely. So how 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 would that differ? Well, we've done a lot of educations and uh, campaigns and training with our partners around Australia. So. A lot of the um, our partners are aware of what to recommend for the customer. Um, we do have options available for between to use normal Ironwolf or to go with Ironwolf Pro. We really recommend Ironwolf Pro for the businesses. Um, it is more endured. Uh, it is designed to sort of accommodate having 30, 40 users accessing the same time, whereas Ironwolf is really designed for the home usage. It is designed for 24-hour uh, usage, but it can support 10, 15 users, right? Right, so people like, say, uh, say my house, there's like five of us at home and we're all accessing different parts yep. of the data so the Iron Wolf can handle multiple calls to the disk to, to access the data. Is that yeah. what you're saying? Sure, sure. And what, what about SSDs, those solid state drives? That, that's a big part of the market now too, isn't it? It is becoming a big, important market of the storage. Uh, SSD definitely has advantages uh, over the hard drives in terms of the speed, uh, it doesn't have the moving mechanical part, uh, so it's almost instant on. Um, there are some downside. I mean, the SSD, the capacity is not where the hard drive is. So if you're really talking about NAS, where providing the abundant storage, SSD is not quite there yet. But you can yeah. also use it as a hybrid, right? So right. you can have the SSD caching for the fast transfer, but also have the hard drive to be, uh, give you the massive storage requirement. Right. My, my view of SSD is something that it's, you can use anywhere because sure. it's small. It is. So if, you, if you're out, say you're a photographer or a videographer, you need to transfer a lot of data, but you, can, it's, you can carry it in your pocket. Mm. And, and there's, what, up to two, three terabytes now? Store. Yeah. What, what does Seagate offer in SSD storage now? So with the Seagate IronWolf SSD, uh, we offer up to 3.8 terabyte. Uh, there's a few other things that makes uh, SSD unique. One area we highlight is the endurance. Yep. So what we call is a total byte written. So SSE has certain lifespan, right? So if you write so much of the data, after you hit the threshold, SSE is done. The lifespan is done. Uh-huh. So the IMF health management in cooperation with all the leading vendors give you the full visibility of how much of the lifespan you have used, where your SSD condition is. So you don't run into the dead end but it, you give the holistic view of the health of the SSD as well. Wow. Well, I could talk data with you all day, mate. So that's a very informative conversation there. And the, our use of data, I think that we're realising uh, there is there's no end to it. I think it will always need storage because we're producing so much more yes. content. And good to see that Seagate's there providing these great products to help us through. Jeff, it's been a pleasure talking to you, mate. Thank, Thank you very you much. Very nice to meet you. This is Tech Guide. The Tech Guide podcast is proudly supported by Netgear. They're Australia's number one Wi-Fi brand. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, working, your gaming, video calling and more? What about if you're trying to do all of that at once? When you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, be sure it's the best. 
Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with the fastest Wi-Fi for uninterrupted streaming, video calling and working and learning from home on more devices than ever before in any part of your house. It's Wi-Fi perfectly engineered. Ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out more at netgear.com.au slash Best Wi-Fi. And now, a Tech Guide review with Stephen Fennec. Kicking off the reviews this week is a television, the Hisense Dual Cell 65SX. Now, this is a TV with a difference. It is a, as its name suggests, dual cell. So there are two panels on board here, and the idea is to combine a mono panel with a color panel to give you the best of OLED, the black levels of an OLED, but also the brightness of an LED. And I've got to say, Hisense has done a fantastic job here. It's, it's a tremendous idea and, they've, uh, and, and tremendous engineering to be able to achieve this. Now, how it works is this. The, the, mono, the monochrome panel is at the back and in front of the light source, so the backlight. So the monochrome panel, there's a backlight, then there's the mono panel, and then there's a colour panel stuck to the to the monochrome panel as well, so precisely bonded together. Now, the idea of having that monochrome panel at the back is for it to control the luminance, in other words, the backlight. So the issue with a normal LED TV is that the pixel has to block a, the backlight to produce black. Now with an OLED, an organic light emitting diode, there is no backlight. So uh, this is self-illuminating material, so if the if the pixel is on, it's on. If it's off, it is totally off, so there's no backlight to block. Hence the reason why OLED TVs have these amazingly deep black colors. Now with the dual the dual cell from Hisense, that monochrome panel, which has millions, more than 2 million pixels, it effectively creates more than 2 million dimming zones. So the pixel can either block or allow the light through, and that's even before it reaches the colour panel. So you can see how that mono panel can really create some really small, effective areas where it needs to produce those black levels. So it just gives that image just an added depth, an added blackness to that colour. So with with that monochrome panel there, and then you've got then the colour panel, which is responsible for producing, obviously, the colour, but also the brightness as well. Now, the brightness of an OLED TV is probably its biggest weakness because there is no dedicated backlight the brightness of the TV is reliant on how bright these self-illuminating pixels can get. Now, the advantage of an LED TV is the fact there is a backlight, so the brightness is no, never an issue. Now, in this case, not, not that OLED TV brightnesses are really bad, and LG is, is probably the, the one and only brand that's really really killing it with their OLED TVs. I, I, I own an LG OLED TV, and brightness is not an issue, but you can produce more brightness through an LED TV, and that, that's evident 
here in Australia where we live, we have open plan living. We often have a lot of big windows and a bright living environment. So having a bright TV is an advantage. Not not that the regular OLED couldn't be perfectly suited in those areas as well. This just can produce more brightness if required. So long story short, OLED, uh, the, it's the, the monochrome panel can imitate OLED to a degree, not, not as good as OLED, but not far off it, and then the colour panel then comes into play for your brightness and your colour, and I have to say, it is a really, really impressive job. Uh, we, we took a look at the Hisense Dual Cell 65CX, 65-inch TV, as it's uh, as evident from that name, and we watched a few 4K programs on Netflix and on disc as well, and I've got to say, I was really impressed with the picture quality, brightness, colour, black levels, all on point, looking great. Uh, first thing we noticed when we watched the TV was the warmth of the image. We noticed the flesh tones were rendered more on the reddish side, not not sort of, they're a little paler sometimes on, on, on a regular OLED. I think it's just a, the, the op, that, that's high sensors probably their colour processor just offering a touch more warmth. Not Nothing bad. It, it is, when you look at it, it looks nice and natural. But uh, when compared to side-by-side side with another TV, you would notice that it, it does go slightly on the more warmer side. Um, and in terms of the black levels competing against, like being up against a bright, a bright part of the TV, and because it had all those millions of dimming zones, it could actually illuminate pixels and block pixels that are quite close together and still not have too much light bleed. I think the best example here is when you're looking at, say, say you're watching Star Wars and the, the opening crawl, you see the star field and all the little stars on a black background. With this high sense dual cell, it was very OLED-like in the fact that it could illuminate a couple of pixels which represents a star yet the pixels near it were still quite black. Not as inky black as an OLED, but certainly not far off it. Certainly better than a regular LED TV. So big tick there. We did notice there was a couple of like haziness around some some parts, say so characters wearing a dark a dark shirt or something against a light background. You can see this really tiny little halo next to it. That's that that's the light bleed. Nothing nothing to, not, not a deal breaker, but it's something there. Something you don't see with OLED. This is the best imitation of OLED we've seen, and it, it's it's probably hardly noticeable. If you do really keep a close eye on those, the dark on the border of a light area, you may see this slight hazing. And if that object is moving, you might also see a little bit of juddering as well. So the pixels trying to keep up with it as well. Nothing, like I said, nothing too bad, but it's there. It's just you wouldn't see that on OLED, but it is it is there. If you look closely, it is there, but it's not like it's going to hit you over the head. It's actually, it's actually remarkably good. And we mentioned sort of looking at the star field is a really good example. The opening crawl of a Star Wars film is always kind of my go-to black test for any kind of uh, any kind of TV. I'm looked at the black levels, really get a good workout when looking at something like that, and something that I can play for all different types of TVs and. That that's the one common thing that I look at across TVs to compare those black levels and the Hisense dual cell absolutely pass that with flying colours. Black levels, great contrast, way above average uh, and not far from the levels you'd achieve from an OLED TV as well. Uh, still a lot of detail in the shadows as well. Like in the, that's one good thing about 
when you've got good black levels and good contrast, you can still see a lot of detail in those darker areas of the TV, uh, and the Hisense did a great job there. One thing we did notice, though, like the TV has the advantages of LED in terms of brightness and rich colours, but also some of its faults as well. And we did notice some noise, in like a bit of graininess in some of the darker areas of the image, both on Netflix and also when we were watching a disc that was noticeable, not not too distracting, but... I did see it there. It, it was hard not to see it at times. Um, the panel also has 200 hertz refresh rate. So if you're a, you're a sports fan, you're going to enjoy watching high quality and fast moving scenes and action movies, and they're going to look pretty smooth at 200 hertz. One little area that I think needs improvement with this particular TV is its viewing angle. Like an OLED TV, you can virtually stand side on to an OLED TV and it will still be bright, it'll still be sharp, it'll still have that nice contrast. But that, that was where this TV could improve. Uh, going beyond, when you're standing side onto the TV, you, you could see the brightness drop a little bit, and it wasn't as good as obviously sitting right in front of the television in the sweet spot. So that that's one area. Again, not a deal breaker, but something that is noticeable, something that OLED doesn't do. This is trying to imitate an OLED, and it and it's nailed it in many in many areas. That's just one area that, that needs improvement. So if you're sitting off to the side, it's still going to look good, just not as good as if you're sitting right there in the middle. Uh, you know what else though is impressive on this TV, and I've, I know I've been talking about the picture quality for this whole review. The audio quality on this television is probably one of the best I've heard on a TV. Uh, it, it is designed with a speaker that runs the full width of the TV. And the way that it's been designed, the stand actually gives the speaker a bit of room to breathe so that there's down firing and front firing from the speaker. There's two main two speakers and four tweeters on the front and a subwoofer. There's a dedicated subwoofer that if, if positioned on an entertainment unit, the subwoofer actually sits behind the television, actually forms part of the stand. And it doesn't matter that it's back there because it's a non-directional sound. It just produces those nice deep bass sounds when needed. And if you were to mount the TV on the wall, the, the 65SX, then that subwoofer can then be placed on the floor. Uh, and again, no difference to the effect you're going to get there. Uh, but what I've got to say, audio quality, it's got Dolby Atmos on board. And while it didn't give you the full uh, 3D surround, like sounds coming down from on, on, from on top of you, it did it did like okay, a, reg, a dedicated sound bar or Dolby Atmos speakers would provide that kind of sound effect. But this TV, without anything else, sounds tremendous. So... I think if you were to purchase this TV, you'd probably think there's no need, well, this I think for sure, no need to buy a soundbar because the sound is terrific out of this TV and it can actually be turned up quite loud if you like to crank up some of your favourite scenes or a concert or something you're watching. It does sound tremendous. So uh, another big tick there. Picture quality, excellent. Sound quality is also excellent. Uh, the TV also comes with the VDAR 4, that's VIDAA 4 operating system. Really easy to navigate. I do like Hisense TVs in that regard. They're really, uh, everything's right there in front of you. Nice big icons. There's no mystery on where to find stuff. It's all there in front of you. Very easy to navigate. It has your usuals, of course. It has Netflix stand, Amazon Prime, YouTube built in. Uh, but if you're wanting to 
to get Disney Plus, Apple TV still not on board. Uh, Hisense says they're working towards adding these services in a software update in the not-too-distant future. Um, and the TV also comes with two remote controls. One is the international remote that sort of wherever you buy the TV, this is kind of the generic remote control that comes with it. But Hisense has decided to add an Australian remote control. And by Australian, I mean it doesn't speak in an Aussie accent, but I mean there are dedicated buttons on the remote control for Australian users. For example, there's a stand button on it. So stand, the streaming service, direct shortcut button. There's also an ABC iView button on there as well. So that's something that is attractive to Australian customers. So the remote control, slightly smaller than the international remote control that comes with it. But you get both, so it's uh, very handy. The thing about the Hisense 2 that I like, the Dual Cell 65SX, is the price. Now, I thought that if Hisense were to price this above the regular OLED price, then people would just go buy an OLED. But that's not what they've done. They've priced it at $3,499, which for a 65-inch TV of this quality is, I think, tremendous value. They've done a really they've smart thing here, pricing it at a point where it's almost as good as an OLED, but a lot cheaper than an OLED. Because if it was too close to the OLED price, people would just buy the OLED. It's what I'd do. But in this instance, it is decent. It's a decent amount cheaper than an OLED, and I think a really compelling choice for customers. The Hisense Dual Cell 65 SX TV, priced at $3,499. It's available now. 65 inches is the only size, but I understand there will be a 55 and possibly a 75 inch version of this TV in the not too distant future. But for now, the 65 inch at $3,499 is a pretty good price. And if you want to read our complete review, you can check that out at techguide.com.au. Well, Amazon have been hard at work producing a brand new range of smart speakers and a smart display. Uh, Amazon, as you know, produced the Echo products, which use Alexa. And no doubt your speakers, probably the blue line just appeared on your speaker, just like it did for me right here. Uh, And this new range includes uh, three new Echo speakers and one with a display. And also there's a new Fire TV stick light as well. Let's start with the Echo. Uh, the new Echo is has a really totally new design. The, the previous Echo was like in the shape of a cylinder, but the brand new Echo has a spherical design. So it's got a small flat base. That's what it sits on. There's a blue light is, a, is ringed around that, that flat base, but it does have this spherical design. It's actually quite nice. I, I really like the look of it. Uh, so not only does it look different though, it does have improved audio quality. So if uh, you got a there's a three inch woofer in there, dual firing tweeters, and Dolby processing, so it produces pretty impressive stereo sound. It can also sense the acoustics of your room and optimize the playback. Pretty good. Uh, and for the first time, the new Echo has the smart home hub support. Uh, support for Zigbee and Bluetooth connectivity as well. So if you want to use this to control some of your smart devices, it is even easier to do that now with the with that home hub support. Uh, Echo Dot is the that that's that the cheaper uh, yet 
pretty pretty good to good value little uh, smart speaker. Often uh, the one that people start with is that small dot. Well, the dot is no longer a dot. Well, it is actually a dot. It looks about the size of a cricket ball, so not quite as 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 big as the Echo. Slightly smaller, about the size of a cricket ball. Perfect for your desk or bedside table. It's only seventy nine bucks, and it it, it has. Um, a 1.6-inch front-firing speaker, so you're still getting improved sound as well as the new design. But if you want to take it a step further, there's also the Echo Dot with Clock, which adds an LED display. So you can have it by your bedside table. It could act like your clock. Like your, uh, instead of buying a clock radio, you can get this, the Echo Dot with Clock. So you can see the time at a glance, as well as viewing the temperature, timers, and alarms. But you know what? Well, the star of the Echo Show, though, is the Echo Show 10. Now, this has a display, and the Echo Shows with the screen were... I'm, I'm looking at one right now. I've got the 8-inch version here, and they, they're just basically a screen uh, on a stand with the, with a speaker in the back of it, and fantastic. But the Echo Show 10 has had a dramatic redesign and has an onboard display that can actually follow your movements and stay in view. So what it does, if you're watching content on the screen or interacting with Alexa, the display will always stay facing you. And it's based on your voice and your movements. Okay, if you can hear you walking around the kitchen, for example, and this is on the kitchen counter, then the screen will move so that it's always facing you. It's always within view. Remarkable. But also, too, means that you, you can, if you're making a video call, you never have to worry about being out of frame because it'll move with you. Uh, the included 13-megapixel wide-angle camera can pan and zoom and keep you in the centre of the frame as well. Now, the movement of the screen is not based on a camera. The movement of the screen is based on sound. So it's not watching you all the time. It does sound a bit creepy that it might be following you because it's watching you. Not the case. It's listening out for your sound or any sound you happen to be making. If you're walking around your kitchen, for example, it'll detect that you're you're over there. Oh, hey, you're over here now, and it'll it'll move to to, to so that's always facing you. It it operates silently as well. It's got a new brushless motor within the unit, so don't think you're going to hear these sounds of the the screen cranking around. Um, but not only does the screen move, but also the sound is adjusted and aimed in your direction as well. So that that's pretty cool. Also, the new Echo, the first one we spoke about, that's 149 bucks. The Echo Dot, 79 bucks. Echo Dot with clock, 99 bucks. And the Echo Show 10 that can follow you around, the screen will track where you are. That's 399 dollars. But we're not done yet. There's one other product, the Fire TV Stick Light. This is from Amazon. This is 59 bucks, and this is ideal for the customer who doesn't have a smart TV but wants to make their TV smart. So the Fire TV Stick Lite, goes, one end goes into your HDMI port. Uh, that little dongle also has Wi-Fi on board. The other end of the product is a remote control, so you can see, you can control it from anywhere. It's even got a voice, it's even got voice on board as well. So the controller is a voice remote, so you can command this thing using your voice just by talking into the, into the remote control. And you can stream at up to 1080p at 60 frames per second. Dual band Wi-Fi support for 5 gigahertz network as, networks as well. So you get more stable streaming. 
and it gives you access to ABC iView, 9 Now, 10 Play, SBS On Demand, as well as Prime Video, Apple TV, Stan, 7 Plus, Red Bull TV, Tubi, Disney Plus, and Optus Sport. And at all that is for 59 bucks. Now, you do need an account for all of those services that I mentioned, but wow, what an easy way to make your TV smart and be able to access content through all of those streaming services. Remarkable. The Fire TV Stick Lite goes on sale uh, in the coming weeks. Pre-orders are kicking off on October 6. All those other Echo products also going on sale in the next few weeks. And if you want to check them all out, there's pictures of all of them, including the, the Echo Show 10, which follow the screen that can track you in the room. If you want to check all of those out, you can do that at techguide.com.au. Next up, we're talking Huawei, Huawei's Watch Fit. This is a new smartwatch that has a 1.6-inch rectangular display. It actually um, has a rectangular face. Normally, uh, faces on a watch, if it's not round, they're square. But not so with the Huawei. It's got this nice elongated look. It's 1.6 inches, AMOLED screen, syncs with the Huawei Health app, so we can give you access to uh, all of all of your exercise. So it, it's like a personal trainer on your wrist. Uh, it has workouts uh, for, there are 12 workout courses if you want to do Pilates, 44 posture demonstrations if you want to get into yoga, but also supports the regular workouts. So there are 96 workout modes with advanced data tracking, 11 professional workout modes, so it includes running, walking, cycling, swimming, you name it. The Huawei Watch Fit has strength training, abdominal workouts, uh, so it means you can work out anywhere and anytime. And the beauty of this too, this elongated screen, it's the first watch, and that's why this shape is important, it's the first watch to have an animated personal trainer on screen to guide you through all these courses and demonstrations. And it works even if you don't have your smartphone with you. So it's it's you, you're not you're not tethered to, to your smartphone to be able to do all your workouts. Uh, th- this also got a ten day battery life, so that's really impressive. The built in animated personal trainer, but also on the on the health side, so the wellness side, there it can track your heart rate, track your sleep track your stress levels, also give you your blood oxygen saturation levels. That's a feature that was just added to the to the most recent Apple Watch Series 6. Uh, so it, it is doing all of that. Uh, has the Huawei Sleep 2.0 for your sleep analysis, TrueScene 4.0 for your heart rate monitoring, can also give you back rate, background heart rate monitoring and also give you an alert if it detects an abnormal heart rate. So if it detects a resting heart rate that is either unusually high or too low, it'll give you a heads up about that as well. And the Huawei Watch Fit is available in three colours, mint green, Sakura pink and graphite black, priced at 249 bucks. So this is a Bluetooth watch, so for that price, you're not getting a cellular connection, but still pretty decent value. It's available from JB Hi-Fi, Harvey Norman, The Good Guys, Amazon, Mobile City, Kogan, and the Huawei Authorised Experience Store, which is opening up. There's one in Sydney here opening up at World Square. So keep an eye out for that. The Huawei Watch Fit, priced at 249 bucks. If you want to see what it looks like, check it out, techguide.com.au. This is Tech Guide with Stephen Fennec. The 
Tech Guide podcast is proudly sponsored by Norton. They're the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Now, there's been a rapid increase in cybercrime lately with constant data breaches, online scams and ransomware, just to name a few. Norton's all-in-one cyber safety solution, Norton 360 Premium, now comes with dark web monitoring powered by LifeLock. This helps notify you if your personal information is discovered on the dark web. It also includes device security and secure VPN with bank-grade encryption to help keep you private online, plus a password manager, PC safe cam, and much more. With Norton's award-winning security and globally trusted protection across 50 million customers, rest assured Norton 360 Premium with dark web monitoring is the all-in-one protection for your devices and data. Norton 360 Premium is available now at leading retailers. And now, answering all your tech questions, the Tech Guide Help Desk. The Tech Guide Help Desk is brought to you by Belkin. Uh, they've just released the new GAN chargers, as gallium nitrate chargers, which are much smaller and faster than a regular charger to charge up your laptops and mobile devices. Check them out, belkin.com forward slash au. Uh, one, one little question we had to the Tech Guide Help Desk was a uh, husband uh, and wife who have the same Apple ID for two different phones. And he was saying that, how can we change? I see all the recent calls, her recent calls. And he said, look, I've got nothing to hide. It's just annoying. We want to be able to have them different, have them separate. Well, it's a pretty simple fix here. You'd both need your own Apple IDs. At the moment, they're signed into the same Apple ID and therefore, they're getting each other's messages, each other's uh, phone records, all of those things are combining. So the simple, really simple solution is for one of you to get your own Apple ID, start that up, and then sign into your phone using that particular ID. And that way, your recent calls are separate, messages are separate, FaceTime, everything's separate. So less fussing about, and you do get your own record of calls and messages as he said, nothing to hide, but I think that would make it a little bit easier. And that's it, our show for this week. Everything we've talked about on the show, of course, you'll be able to find at techguide.com.au. We want to give a special thanks, too, to our sponsors, Netgear, the brand you can trust for all your Wi-Fi needs, and also Norton, the company that can keep you and your family safe online. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week. So until then, stay safe and stay connected.